0: Welcome to the weekly standard podcast i'm your host michael graham here to take a look at the week in review is the weekly standards bill crystal and Bill, the question i am asking myself is who had a worse week this week president obama secretary of state hillary or uh, congressman eric Cantor?
1: yeah that is a good question and that's a real competition and the sad thing is that when <laughs> president obama has a bad week um especially in foreign policy he is our president so we have a of country had a bad week and, and that's surely the case with these terrible uh developments in iraq but, on the other hand, we can take some pleasure in Hillary Clinton's really extraordinarily bad week. I mean, think about it. She's got months to prepare for this book launch. It's all teed up. They've carefully selected the right interviewers. They've obviously prepped her at great length for all the questions that could come. She's been Secretary of State for four years, so she's familiar, presumably, with what's happening. One gaffe after another. One ridiculous statement after another. She made more, Hillary Clinton made more mistakes in this week than Sarah Palin did in the entire vice presidential campaign when they ridiculed her so much and Palin had much less time to prepare than Hillary Clinton. So I really wonder, I, if you are a smart Democrat now, I think you look at this last week for Hillary Clinton and think, oh my God, do we really want her as the nominee two years from now? I mean, this she is much worse. I think if you're a Democrat, you think to yourself, much less prepared, much more thin-skinned, uh, has much less to say than than, than one would have thought and again, when she can have a better time, no one's attacking. You know, she's just out there promoting a book that she presumably wrote or supervised the writing of, that was carefully written so as to, you know, not cause problems. And then the most obvious questions get asked, and she just gives one embarrassing answer after another.
0: Come on, you've ha- faced the withering, hard-hitting questions of Terry Gross from NPR. You I, Bill? Mean, I mean, th- those, I that Terry, is a landmine.
1: I actually did Terry Gross's show, and I think I'd written the book uh, defending the war in Iraq right before it began. And she's a fairly can be a fairly tough questioner, though I thought perfectly polite. And the idea that, yeah, <coughs> excuse me, if Hillary Clinton's having a tough time from Terry Gross on NPR, because she asked perfectly straightforwardly a question about gay marriage and, you know, why did you change? Couldn't people think there was some political motivation? And instead of giving a perfectly obvious answer you can give, oh no, you know, like the rest of the country, I progressed and blah, 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 she, gets, uh, she becomes very testy and, and attacks Terry Gross, really. I mean, that really does tell you something, though. It tells me something. It tells me she's feeling the pressure. It tells me not only that she's not ready, really, to run for president, but, again, I come back, when will she be ready? It's not like, again, it's one thing if you have an inexperience, you know, Scott Walker were to do a national tour right. tomorrow and floods a couple of foreign policy questions and say, well, he's a governor, he needs to adjust. Let's see how he does six months or a year from now. If Hillary Clinton's not ready now, when is she going to be ready?
0: Uh, well, I personally she'll be ready the same time that that senator from Illinois was ready to be president of the United States, Abraham Lincoln. Oh, wait, she got that oh, right too. Let tell you,
1: that was a good one. That was a good one, yeah.
0: But, you know, you mentioned – Yeah, I mean, think, about,
1: uh, you know, think of the comparisons. two and a half years before the election. I think of Obama, who has been in the Senate for, what, a year and a half at this point when he did not his book came out, I don't know when that was, Oh, five oh six. and he did some, a ton of interviews. Of course, he was always being interviewed. He didn't make these kinds of mistakes. I mean, really, it is quite, I am I mean, I'm taking a certain amount of, uh, of enjoyment, and I, I, I agree. <laughs> Part of it, I predicted that this tour would to go badly for her, and that her, the high-water mark of the Hillary Clinton campaign would be before the book comes out. I mean, it's just exposing herself to all these questions has been a uh, difficulty for her. And then the incredible out of touchless of the, you know, uh, dead being dead broke and uh, having well, an $8 million book contract and all that. So, um, But then on substance, too, on Russia, on Iraq, you name it, I mean, she really... Um, I, I really. Stu- I mean, I, even I, who thought she was overrated and would be vulnerable, I'm a little stunned. And I really do think now, and I, I, I'm not, you know, I think the odds are, I guess, still, that she'll be the nominee and all, but, I mean, if you're Elizabeth Warren, you look at that and you think, you know what, I wonder if I ran... It, if it couldn't just take off. I wonder if half the Democratic Party isn't sitting there saying, I guess we have to be for Hillary Clinton, but they're totally unenthusiastic. The more they see her, the less enthusiastic they get. Some sort of left-wing populist who could really get them going. I, I really wonder where you couldn't have a huge surge for a, a, an insurgent candidate against against Hillary Clinton. She, she could end up being the Eric Cantor of the presidential primary season.
0: Well, we'll get to Eric in a moment, but you mentioned the when the president has a bad week, we all do. I know someone who had a pretty good week. The leadership of ISIS—they've now been told by the president that they've got—if they just change their plans instead of staying home this weekend and getting caught up on the new season of 24, if they stay out and continue to sweep across Iraq, that there will be no U.S. intervention. And I've never seen a president run out to announce hey, my enemies, I want to make sure you know, I'll be making an announcement later. It's all, have fun storming the castle, as they say in The Princess Bride.
1: Yeah, and and, and sort of well, my team is getting together. We're kind of thinking about this. I'll, I'll be going off to Palm Springs for the weekend, but uh, I'll get back. I we'll, we'll, we'll do one or two little things. We're moving an aircraft carrier nearby. And, I mean, it's it would, be, you know, it would be funny if it weren't just horrible and depressing, obviously, in terms of, American national interest, and in terms of everything we sacrificed in Iraq. And, you know, lots of mistakes were made by Bush. But at the end of the day, Bush fought through his mistakes, corrected his mistakes. Um, and and he left you know, five, after five years of the Bush presidency with Iraq. We had deposed the dictator, and left the country in reasonably decent shape. Uh, he still a lot of troops there; but they weren't fighting at the end of 08, Had a government that was trying to more or less patch things up. No civil war going on, no st- and strategically an advantage for us. I would say it's not an accident that the Iranian uprising, the Green Revolution, happened in early '09, when people looked across the border in Iraq and said, "Hey, why can't we have some voting rights and democracy as well?" Now, after five years of Obama, total, uh, um, you know, just frittering away of all the hard-won gains of the surge and, and, and it's all the achievements that finally were able to be achieved under Bush, and now just. Careening towards catastrophe. I mean, it's really terrible.
0: It was interesting to me. I was uh, watching some comments that President Obama made in 2011 about Iraq, about how he was saying that Iraq still has problems, but you know, it's a democracy, it's self governing, it's got multi party, multi ethnic representation, it's relatively at peace, and you're going, wow. You know, this is the one thing that he inherited from George W. Bush that he never mentions that he inherited from George W. Bush. And look, using his own words, what a mess it is now. He's the one who declared it a success at the end of 2011, and he's the one who's watching it collapse in front of his eyes today.
1: I really agree with that. I mean, I, I think, you know, Bush's conduct of the war may remain problematic and, and, and also may, may remain unpopular, but... Uh, The fact that he insisted on getting all the troops out out, or did very little to try to get an agreement to leave troops in, the fact that he trumpeted (laughs) as an excuse for getting all the troops out, how good things were there, meaning in a sense he owns Iraq since the end of 2011 at least. We we got out as he wished. He said it was going to be fine. He's been watching it closely. You can't blame Bush for anything at this point. And if you just look at the trajectory from 2012 through 2013 to 2014, It's pretty terrible. And if you look at, God knows, the whole Middle East, what are we looking at? I mean, the truth is once the last remnants of the Bush administration left the Obama administration, which is Gates at the Defense Department, Petraeus first as as a general in in both the Middle East and Afghanistan, and then at CIA, um, and others who were sort of still felt some responsibility to be serious, about what we had tried to do in that part of the world, it's been just a total freefall, and especially here in Obama's second term. And I, I do think it could be, this could be a big moment. I mean, a friend of mine said to me this morning, this is like when the Soviets invaded Afghanistan in December 79. And my only response was, yeah, but Carter actually did adjust at that point. It was too late, but he increased defense spending and, and got tough, at least tried to, with the Soviet Union. Uh, there's not, not even evidence that Obama's learned any lessons from what's happening in Syria, Iraq. Uh, Iran, etc.
0: I always use the are you smarter than a dumb talk show host standard, Bill. And (laughs) if I were President of the United States, just without even... Thinking, you know, the the easy would be, okay, these guys are pouring towards Baghdad. They think they've got the field. They think the Iraqis are on the run. I want my military guys. Just find me one or two things that we know for a fact that our jets can fly in and blow up and fly away just so they'll wonder for the next couple of days or weeks what we're going to do next. I mean, that's the kind of not even hard you know That's an easy idea, and it's, it is as though this White House is so disengaged that they refuse to have any ideas, because once you have ideas, you've engaged. And he seems determined, no matter what, I refuse to act like Iraq is my problem.
1: And that's so 20th century of you, Michael. You know the notion that you might drop a few bombs, and that might deter people <laughs> from going forward. I mean, this is the 21st century where we resolve things by... <laughs> Having, I guess, what I don't know, cabinet meeting. Hashtags. And, and, hashtags. hashtags. Yeah, I where is the that our hashtag waiting? Hashtag budget be, is well, up that's a good 70%. point. Where is the hashtag on Iraq? That's next, right? <laughs> and only what? A, speaking of things that everyone forgot, I was talking to someone who's been an act, worked very, very hard. A young woman who's been very active and attempts to deal with Boko Haram and 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 you know in a diplomatic way. Uh, she's in the U.S. government actually, and she's not a conservative, so far as I could tell. I just met her at some function last night. And and she pointed out what whatever happened. You know there was huge outrage. Michelle Obama, the hashtag No Stern will be on, on. Uh, over, unturned. What's happened to those girls who were kidnapped? I think 20 more were kidnapped That's right. a few days ago. They've added 20 got, more. I don't believe we've gotten the back. I don't, I don't know quite what the president and his crack team are doing about it, but one has the impression after their little flurry of publicity, they're doing nothing.
0: Uh, they've actually contacted Verizon Wireless to get the Boko Haram smartphones so that they'll know what we're hashtagging them, because they apparently have not been getting our hashtags. Uh, one last, which brings us to the last topic, and we've been talking about people who seem disconnected from what's going on. I, I'm not as wired into the Republican leadership as you are, Bill, but it looks like no, no fight for the next majority leader. It's going to be more of the same when Eric Cantor leaves. And I just wonder, if is the Republican leadership getting the message of the Cantor defeat?
1: I don't know. I mean, I, I think Raro Labrador is going to try to challenge McCarthy, but it looks like McCarthy probably has it um, pretty well sewn up. Uh, some of this is just due to accidental facts. Because some of the conservatives who might have been able to beat McCarthy didn't run for various reasons, and and it's the middle of the year. and People may not want to disrupt things too much. And then that, frankly, whoever majority leader is for August, September, October is not going to make a lot of difference. So I, I can see. <laughs> excuse me. One should probably beware of overinterpreting the fact that there's a handoff from Cancer to McCarthy. Having said that, there's something a little crazy about, you know, Cantor's repudiated, and so let's promote his deputy, you know, who's very similar to him in many ways. Um, and I am worried that, the, as often as the case, the D.C. establishment is doing a pretty good job of ignoring what you would have thought was an unambiguous message coming from the grassroots. Um, they can try to ignore it. I don't think they'll succeed in ignoring it. And I still am pretty optimistic that, all in all, I don't think the candidates out there are ignoring it, the challengers in the Senate races, the challengers in house races. I just met a woman who's running in an open house seat, running as a populist. Uh, she took what happened in, uh, um, in Virginia 7 as a good sign for her general election prospects against the Democratic incumbent, and I rather agree with that. So, but I do think, yeah, I'm, I'm afraid that uh, people will look at the McCarthy promotion and think, oh, my God, they don't get the message at all.
0: And it is concerning because, as you mentioned, it's only for three months. What a great opportunity to symbolically reach out to someone, not necessarily someone who's considered you know, a Ted Cruz of the House, but someone that you know that the folks who work with the grassroots organizations are going to be uh, jazzed about. And I'll show it to an example of how serious it is out in the real elections. Uh, Congressman Jack Kingston is in a runoff with uh, businessman David Perdue in Georgia and I simply mentioned in passing on my radio show in Atlanta that Kingston had gotten a lot of money from the Chamber of Commerce, which he has, and his crew. Career- team immediately contacted me and arranged an on-air interview so he could repudiate anything have to do with amnesty he in fact every word that started with the letter a he announced he was against (laughs) and he said yes i've got chamber support but we don't agree and they know i don't agree and he laid out his votes he wanted to make it perfectly clear to the voters in this runoff in july i am not eric Cantor.
1: yeah that's interesting actually that's I've heard that from other elsewhere around the country. And it's it's immigration, but it's also what immigration has come to symbolize, the notion that a bunch of people in Washington will jam something through, regardless of what the voters think. Um, and what's most interesting to me is, is, is the message that defeated Cantor on immigration, which was not a nativist message. It was an economic message, it was a middle-class, Main Street message. People can argue about the economics of it, pro-con, but I, I do think if the, Republic, the Republicans are crazy if they don't adopt a populist, Main Street, Middle America uh, economic growth message here, both in the immediate next few months and certainly for 2016.
0: Bill Crystal, thanks for your analysis of the week. We appreciate it. I know that the folks in ISIS read and watch the podcast, listen all the time, and so they've gotten your message. Bill Crystal with The Weekly Standard. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.